This is Cole. Learn how to tell stories in logic. My God. <laughs> You're so, this is so hard. And this is Ron. Yes. I hate your guts. Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie right there. Oh, desperation is a stinky cologne. We are the creative team. Oh, my God. I quit. Well, it's the big hole. Did you really just book that? <laughs> Michael Jordan and The Undertaker. Uh, in your face. One of them has 30 years, and the other one is just Michael Jordan. Woo! Welcome back to another exciting episode of... Oh! The Creative Team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team. I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Gilborn. Ronald, how the heck are you today, bud? Oh, I should say that I'm full uh, as this airs. Thanksgiving would have just passed. Yeah, yeah, definitely (laughs) full of shit because, you know, we're marathon recording our shenanigans this month because we like to not complicate things during the holiday season. Thanksgiving is an important event for us family men dads whatnot uh so yeah we're getting a few of these in the can and we're uh creating some studio magic here so uh yeah uh thanksgiving is in our rearview mirror so is survivor series so so if you're looking for reviews on either of those days uh it's not going to happen until a, a much later date unfortunately but you know i'm doing great nonetheless cole how are you I'm great. Uh, I'm very excited about my Thanksgiving trip. I've not had a vacation all year, and uh, the Thanksgiving trip will be my one and only vacation for the year. And so uh, since I leave the weekend before Thanksgiving and come home the weekend of Thanksgiving, that's two weekends of recording uh, opportunities we don't have. So, yeah, we're getting ahead a little bit being responsible because we don't like to give you guys clip shows unless, like, you know, the sky falls. Like, things happen that are beyond our control, sure, last minute. But when we know we've got an issue ahead, we are responsible adults, and we record four episodes in two weekends. So, <laughs> And it's been a delight, too. It's been a delight. Yeah. Two very good subjects to talk about. And before we get there, we're going to review. I want to bring you back to what we call WCW Month and let you in on what we as the creative team have dubbed the following. Uh, well, the, the very top moment in our top 10 was the infamous Hulk Hogan turn, which is the subject of how we're going home on this WCW month today as we take it up with creative on who could have been the third man other than Hulk Hogan. Um, not to toot my own horn or anything, but we also had the very fun WCW draft that I came out the victor of. Oh, yes. I'm sitting, uh, you know, as we're recording this, it's sun, It's a football Sunday, so I have the Red Zone channel on in the background because I am also fantasy footballing uh, as we speak, and uh, that's going fairly well. Um, I was really proud of myself as a 20-year member of the fantasy sports community, and then I invented a whole new thing called fantasy wrestling, and I'm getting my ass handed to me by this guy. Who's yeah. never watched a sports ball game in his life? So. Yeah, there's a lesson to be learned, and that's you know, stay in your lane, kid. We also uh, rewrote Goldberg's uh, ending Goldberg's streak, and uh, boy, those were fun change-ups to history. Because on one hand, Cole, you had Hulk Hogan end the streak, but you also had Goldberg end 
the NWO once and for all. Right. And that is a very good trade-off for two moments to clash in one epic story. I rolled the dice and kept the undefeated streak going all the way up until WrestleMania 19 for Undertaker to defeat Which Goldberg. Is super impressive because you let Gold, you let WCW do all the heavy lifting and create a mega star only to bring him in to lose to the Undertaker. Like it's the most Vince McMahon thing you've ever done. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> he beat everybody else on the way, but hey, you got to make a guy on you got to make a guy on your way out. And that's a way to make Undertaker's streak instead of just randomly talking about it. Ah, uh. I just I just think it's funny. Like I I, I wish I wish, like I'd love to be in the room you pitching that to Vince McMahon. Oh, we got Goldberg. He's got that streak going. I was like, yeah, but that didn't happen on our TV. Nobody knows who Goldberg is. <laughs> He's what if lose to fucking Triple H. <laughs> but what if we use that stat to our advantage? <laughs> Shit, um, even, even have Goldberg take the title off trips on the way to that Taker match. I would have gladly had that be the heavyweight title match other than the racist Triple H Booker T match. Yeah, that, would be, that, was, that was pretty terrible. I, it's just funny because I was watching or listening to Mick Foley this week, and I, I'm pretty sure it's just like a remastered rerun of old episodes because I don't know that he's recorded any new episodes in months. But uh, it, it hashed. It, it was it was going over his debut in WWF when he came when he came in. Vince for a long time had been going, uh, you know, Cactus Jack will never set foot in my ring, pal. And then, you know, Bruce and JR and Corny just beat Vince over the head nonstop with Cactus Jack until he finally brought him in, basically just to embarrass Jim Ross and make him feel bad uh, and, and let him know it, you're going to know what it's like, what it feels like to have your heart broken by a superstar kind of thing. And then, of course, Mick Foley turns out to be one of the biggest stars in the history of the business, as any person with eyes who actually watched wrestling knew was going to happen. But. Uh, he talks about the meeting with Vince and, and Vince's ideas. Mason the Mutilator. We've had a trash man. We've had a clown, but we've never had a mutilator. And uh, <laughs> and he's like, um, how about mankind the mutilator? And then I can cut these cool promos talking about the you know the the plight of mankind and the future of mankind. And it has a double entendre. And Vince was like, ah, oh, oh, I like it. And luck, and then Vince liked it so much he just dropped the mutilator part, and we just got mankind, and the rest is history. Like it's one of the best stories ever. Like Vince used to have a a, a reasonable head on his shoulders, you it, know. <laughs> yeah, or it's just good to speak up. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and well, uh, we also have the podcast of uh, of uh, John Moxley talking about his Dean Ambrose ex. Adventure WWE. So there's that part. There's a there's a 20 year gap almost between those stories. I feel like <laughs> there's yeah. been a big change. <laughs> and it just goes to show just like both of Mick Foley's triumphs is really based on that type of cynicism. I mean, you recall the day the 83 weeks the streak ended was because right. of Tony Schiavone's cynicism of who they were putting the title on on the other channel. And it just happened to be Mick Foley. Yet it was the nail in their coffin and the transition of all, of the ratings boost towards the, the WWE side. And, you know, Mick Foley has always been those guys that has just been severely underrated by his peers, but properly placed on the pedestal that he is by the fans. And, well, and, uh, and, and I, don't, I don't even know if it's by his peers, because I think like all the workers and then like, you know, the agents and the people that were like actually in the wrestling business loved Mick Foley. 
<coughs> but Vince McMahon was never he never saw himself as being in the in the wrestling business. He always thought of entertainment and what's going to look good on a poster and this and that. And let's be frank, Eric Bischoff was not necessarily a wrestling guy. Like he appreciated wrestling and then, you know, he got in with the AWA and then found himself as the C squad third string play-by-play announcer and then just lucked into getting to run the company for no reason. And so like for those two guys to be like, Oh, I don't see this grungy, like hardworking guy uh, as something to get over. It does. That doesn't shock me, you know, fucking billionaires, like, you know, spoiled rich kid attitude. Of course they don't like Cactus Jack, but in the real world, us real guys, Cactus Jack is, is, you know, near and dear as it gets. He's yeah. a fat, unathletic, ugly dude. Like <laughs> Yeah, and it touches my soul. It makes me think, oh, there's a chance. But he's also batshit crazy and like will do things to his body that no one else will bat an eye to. And you talk about Eric Bischoff and his booking decisions. The reason why we're here today is to talk about his greatest booking decision and rewrite it for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and, you yes, know, we're gonna we're gonna deliver you an idea that's not as good as what they actually did for once. <laughs> absolutely, it's a creative challenge, and I like to be challenged. And it's really fun to talk about this, especially we've already deemed this as the top moment in WCW history yeah. because it's probably the most important moment, the most important turn. If you really love the babyface heel dynamic of the business, the greatest ba- one of the greatest babyfaces in the world of professional wrestling turned his back on the audience in epic fashion trash in the ring his long time uh, his long time like on screen partner mean gene Oakland, absolutely disgusted it's an atmosphere that if you love heat this is the chef that the this is the chef's kiss of all chef's kiss of heat brother mm-hmm. and uh and just it's something that'll never be repl- never be replicated again and uh the fact that we're uh, attempting to rewrite this history is a bit sacrilege in the wrestling business but it's going to be a fun exercise and i can't wait to see what we come up with it it it's funny too because you know it's it's this is kind of the thing that really kicked off what became the attitude era and it's just kind of funny that an old school super wrestling angle was the thing that kicked off the wrestling business into the next era and then like stone cold steve austin being a total shit heel making him a baby face somehow because it's 1996 like <laughs> that's what kicked off wwf's rise so it's like so funny that these two things rub up against each other and it's just it's a great it was a, a an it was such an interesting era to be a wrestling fan. Oh yeah. But business changed forever in this little two year period. Absolutely. And like, you know, there's a reason why no one was able to compete with Vince because the, the knock on him was what is he's the entertainment guy. And you know, it wasn't up until Eric Bischoff came into, came into play. Who's also another entertainment guy, not really a student of the wrestling business, but a student and a, you know, an influencer in the entertainment world, and he took a lot of the entertainment influences and applied them to a, a dynamic that he didn't really know what to do with. So he had a bunch of guys who had uh, creative control, and he basically yeah, yeah. and he basically just rubbed all of his entertainment influence on it. And the NWO is like one of the best ideas WCW ever created, and the fact that all the stars aligned and all the ingredients were there because yeah. it, the idea is the idea. But the ingredients mean so much in this particular story. And without Hogan, it wouldn't have meant as much, period. 
Yes. So now that we've uh, set up this impossible task we have here to make some, to, to just ruin this perfect execution, this perfect gimmick, maybe honestly the greatest angle of all time. I mean, it's argue it's right up there. There's only a handful of other things that you can put up right up here with this. Who's the third man and the execution of this, like, this is right up there with the double turn with Brett and in Austin. This it's, I mean, it's, this is funk pile driving flair on the table. This is magic right here. So let's fuck it up. <laughs> well, it, it, our it, own version of who's the third man. <laughs> and well, and before we get there and, you know, and we, we also have to have you catch us up on the angle of this story, brother, and uh, the pay, the actual payoff. But before we actually get there, one of the big uh, myths of who the third man was, and you can see it right behind me, uh, Cole. But uh, to the people at home, I have a big, blasted, beautiful picture of the man they call Mabel, and uh, I know that's not what they refer to him as, but I just uh, I stole it from Vader. <laughs> but uh, man on a mission, Mabel, right behind me, who was uh, wasn't an observer remove a rumor. Uh, by Dave Meltzer saying that Mabel was going to possibly be the third man of the yeah, of this yes, faction. Yes. So when they started running this third man gimmick, there were lots of of rumors and names going around. Uh, Davy Boy was mentioned, but one of the 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 rumors that actually got a lot of uh, consternation, basically, because uh, our friend Conrad Conrad Thompson read Bruce on the air. Uh, or, or no, sorry, to Eric Bischoff on the air uh, about how it was the the strongest candidate that people really thought it was going to be Mabel from Men on a Mission. That was going to be the third man. Uh, and uh, Eric Bischoff went on about a 30-minute tirade about how fucking dumb and pathetic Dave Meltzer is and <laughs> full of shit and all of that. And it's one of the most entertaining things ever. So, like, uh, but... Let's picture that though. Let's yeah. picture that though. Like, can you imagine just like <laughs> Mabel walking down? First of all, it's just like, who gives a shit? And, <laughs> yes. And then to see him standing in the center of Kevin Nash and Scott Hall cutting that promo, it's like, was he, is he going to end with whoop? There it is. <laughs> yeah, this is way before Viscera. So it's like, not even the badass version of him came into play yet. So we would just get the Mabel reference. Would he be the king? Yeah. Would he be King yes. Mabel? Yes. Yeah, king whatever they're going to call him because they can't call him Mabel. Would Oscar <laughs> be with him? That would have been fun. Oh, my gosh. NWO with Oscar doing raps to the ring for them. Yes. And the the other more likely rumor of the bunch was the fact that uh, Sting was slotted to be in this slot just up until Hogan finally agreed the day before, brother. Uh, if you want to believe the the legend that uh, is the story of the acceptance of the angle by Mr. Hogan. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Sting would have been a good choice. I don't know if it would have meant as much uh, in, in the long term. No, just... no, there's no way. I mean, yeah, dude, it's kind of funny. The more I really look at Sting and his career and I listen to, like, his promos and watch his matches, like, this dude is the best Tito Santana has like, I mean, Sting might be the most, like the least skilled mad over tippy top guy in the history of ever. Yeah. If we're being honest. And so no, him turning heel, I don't think would have, uh, it definitely wouldn't have had the same 
gravitas is hogan like sting was over but not hogan over like i you know like sting was always on a second level the thing is like sting's popularity has just never waned for his entire thir- uh 40 year career now he's just stayed there like he's like that next guy he's not the guy but he's like the next guy and he's just stayed there and even now that he's working basically tag matches once or a couple times a year he's still as over as he's ever been and like he's just been consistent for 40 years and i think he's climbed up the list of greatness just because he's he hasn't dropped a beat like he's still the same wrestler almost yeah i mean he's still jumping off of balconies doing shit there's At something to that though. There's but, something yeah. to that. He's never ever had go away heat. He's always had icon status heat. He's always been universally loved. You know, there may be some purists out there that think he's overrated, but it's just when he comes out there, it's undeniable. Like you know, the the crowd is going ape shit. It's a, a well earned respect and. Uh, the the mystique that was built yeah. for him at WCW is a big reason for that. You know, it's uh, he had such a great run as the big baby face, but then when he donned that crow outfit, it was like a whole another chapter of his legacy. And he's been and so prevalent in his career that he's been riding the coattails of that from then on. Then never once yeah. has he never never once has he gone back to surfer thing in the ring. He'll do it for a podcast meet and greet, but. Uh, I think on the way to Revolution, I, I know we're going off on a Sting tangent here, That's but okay. it'd be great if he did a Surfer Sting match just once, get that blonde hair going. Yeah, and and Tony Khan's the kind of guy I think that that might make that happen. You know, and uh, we don't know what Flair's going to add to the equation either. Um, I feel like there's another fucking Flair match coming. I I feel it, and uh, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I could see just like maybe a one-time throwback deal, Sting tagging with Flair, and he dons the old-school surfer Sting, at least face paint. Uh, I don't think he's going to cut his hair and dye it to blonde for a one-off, but, you know. <laughs> Last man standing match with defibrillators at ringside. <laughs> I mean, probably a six-man tag, but, you know. <laughs> Jesus, oh. I don't think it'll be a singles match, you know, one on one. Yeah, it'll be yeah, six man tag. It'll be Flair and his nurses versus uh, yeah. Sting and his nurses. <laughs> Eight person mixed tag. Oh my goodness, we kid, we kid. It'll be great. It'll be great. Uh, boy, where do we go from here? There was something else I wanted to touch on on this angle because. Yeah, no. Let's get to our stories. How about that? All right. Sounds good. So well, you have been giggly all week about your angle, so I think <laughs> it's only fair that I go first because I don't think I put as much thought as you did into this, so I am just going to get after it. So we'll see. Well, uh, now you're the one trying to skip over the history portion of this. I am. I am. <laughs> and you and called I was... me out because I was transitioning. Yes, look at me. I'm just a I'm just a big batch of overzealous. You know, it's, oh, it's this is it, why we're a team. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It, we're I'm Russo. You're Cornette. You know, this is me hot shotting the show, brother, and you're and you're putting me at ease. <laughs> it's actually funny because I didn't have it up until you mentioned it. I was like, oh shit, the NWO history. That's a good idea. And I'm, so I'm like feverishly searching for it. And then you're like, fuck that. We're gonna. <laughs> So, May 19th, 1996, Scott Hall 
and Kevin Nash wrestled their last matches as Razor Ramon and Diesel. And uh, on May 27th, Scott Hall made his appearance mid-match, walks through the audience dressed in street clothes, and grabs the mic and informs everyone that we all know who they are, or we know who he is, but we don't know why he's here, and he's not coming alone. So just beautiful fucking, like, oh, my God, I miss angles like this. The guy came out there, grabbed a mic, he talked for two fucking minutes and moved on and let everyone think about it for a week. Oh, oh, oh my God, why can't we do this anymore? Why does every angle have to be 30 minutes and they do three of the angles to build up to the story? Like, oh, anyway. It's an ADD (laughs) world. (laughs) But also in this speech, he goes, you know, you want a war. Uh, That's exactly what we're bringing to WCW. So they had the brilliant idea here of doing their own invasion angles. Basically what it is. This is brilliant stuff by Eric Bischoff. This was all his idea. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, Scott Hall, a lot of guys put their little touches on this and made it work. It's so good. Um, So, and then Scott Hall comes out, says he's got a big surprise for him leading up to this. Here comes Nash. Uh, we learned. So we've got Hall and Nash. We learned about adjectives. <laughs> so now they're really pushing the story that WWF is invading WCW without saying that because they couldn't because that's not what was happening. Uh, there were lawsuits. It was great time. Was had by all. Um, and this also led to the fake Razor and fake Diesel on WWF television, which was just atrocious and hilarious i i just i don't know what they were doing and could play into our stories today could very much very much could so uh i mean within short order they've got a match booked for the great american bash uh eric bischoff promises them a tag match um but they let it be known that uh we're not alone there is a third man and then all the speculation of who's the third man um started started you know kicking off here uh and, and so bischoff uh they power bombed eric bischoff through a table which is very nice uh they made a lot of uh, uh of uh problems for wcw and which by the way i'm sorry to stop you but the whole power bombing eric bischoff thing that was huge that was way before yeah. the austin stunner events and yeah. so like that type of like physicality on any like authority figure was so crazy to see especially for like you know it's well i was fucking 10 at the time i was 10 at the time yeah that's true because i didn't see any of this shit when it happened in real time like i saw all of it but it was later on and it's after you know we've we've been through all that shit with austin and everything so you're right uh it doesn't get the credit it deserves like bischoff really doesn't get a lot of credit that he deserves for this two or three year period in general but yeah yeah to be attacking an authority figure on television that never i mean we did see vader do a vader bomb to gorilla this was before that this was before that like vader hadn't done that yet they did it like maybe like months after but this is probably what like inspired it yeah so yeah i mean there were always times like even in the territory days where like bill watts was in charge and every once in a while someone would blow up to him and he'd have to go put them in their place. But, but he's the booker. So he always won. And he, yeah. but like the, the, the office had always been the baby face in the history of the wrestling business. Like there was never an evil owner an ev- evil president. Ev- the booker guy was always for the company and the company was always the baby face. And then Eric Bischoff, 
uh, you know, turned that on its ear well before Mr. McMahon, and he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for it. And so it's good that we're talking about this. Um, that's really pretty much it for the history-wise. You know, they make the match. A bunch of WCW guys come out wanting to defend the honor of WCW, and he go with Ho- they go with Hogan and Savage. Uh, the match comes, and the match is going all, you know, swimmingly. Ho- you know, Savage and Hogan are defending the honor of WCW until... Hogan drops the leg on the Macho Man and is revealed as the third man. The fans littered the ring with trash. Good times. Good times. Should have kept talking. That was that. You had background music. The, the the problem is like it doesn't come through so I can hear like I heard it start and then I couldn't hear it after that so then it's just like I could be talking because you can edit this and it's all fine but I'd say I'm like Meh. but anyway that's all getting edited out so anyway uh, yeah so Hogan the third man the fans lost their shit threw a bunch of trash uh near riotous atmosphere and this kicked off the ratings war that was won by WCW for 83 weeks. So, I mean, this is a huge storyline. It's a huge angle. I don't think there's any human on the planet that would have got the same reaction as Hogan. It wouldn't have been as big. So let's see what we can do to make it decent. If Hogan like didn't want to do it, he just refused to turn heel. He was just too attached to the red and yellow. He didn't want to hurt the kids feelings. He wanted to keep making granny, you know, Santa Claus, you know, music and Mr. Nanny uh, movies. Like, you know, just, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you walked on eggshells and didn't mention Suburban Commando because that is that movie is a damn monument. Oh, I yeah, I like Suburban Commando. No problem with it. Yeah, it's Mr. a lot better than... I like uh, Mr. Nanny, too. Come on, Sherman yeah, Helmsley. Yeah. yeah, I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I watched those movies a lot as a kid. That Three Ninjas movie since, could suck but... a dick, though, though. Yeah. Straight up. Like, what the fuck did they do to his hair? Jesus. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, my story might be like giving Hogan hair in a Three Ninjas movie, so we'll see. So, uh, you know, you can't really change much to this uh, with uh, with Hall coming in and Nash coming in. Maybe give Nash a language arts lesson before he cuts a promo. Uh, maybe tell him that play is a verb and not an adjective. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he still gets crap for that to this day, you know. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to have that. The outsiders come in, the big mystery of the third man, we power bomb Bischoff, we do all that good stuff, we make the big match. Hogan's nowhere to be seen in sight. We have the and you know I, I and I'm just gonna kinda like nothing's really gonna change and except for the the uh really the payoff, really. Cause the match is gonna happen. Hogan's gonna strut that ass to the ring. The outsiders are gonna powder. They're going to stare at Hogan, taking the shirt off and all that stuff. All of a sudden, a laid-out sting gets to his feet. And then Hogan turns around, and Sting super kicks Hogan. But then we look at Sting even further, and it's Shawn Michaels with Sting makeup on. And he wipes the makeup off, and then he poses with the freaking, with the freaking biceps. And he starts doing the the click the click pose to Hogan to to Nash and Hall 
and it's just a big swerve, bro. What the hell is Michaels doing there? No one was looking at Sting being passed out. Where did Sting go? And it looks, and, and they go to the, they go to like the John Madden replay, and all of a sudden you see like someone yanked Sting under the ring, and you don't even notice it because Hogan was coming out to save the day, brother. But it didn't happen because Michaels donned that makeup on, that <laughs> donned a, a carbon copy <laughs> of the outfit that Sting wore because he's a sidekick, because wrestling brother, and then super kicks Hogan's face off at Bash of the Beach, and then we still have the same amount of trash. Perhaps it's not the heat we wanted. Perhaps it's go-away heat for the ages. But I don't know. Ten-year-old me seeing Shawn Michaels in a WCW ring after super-kicking Hogan, standing right next to what was formerly Diesel and Razor Ramon, would be a pretty big, monumentous occasion for me personally. But let's be honest. It ain't the actual turn that actually happened that actually changed the business. But this is going to be the constellation, constellation prize that I'm going to throw out there for myself. So for me... The third man is the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, and my very convoluted way is for him to come in dressed as Sting and kick Hogan's face off right before Hogan potentially saves the day. Bro, I'm so glad you went there. Uh, I'm going to save comments a little bit because you don't know how great what you just said was. Because in my story, I'm going to have the same <laughs> debut. Paul's going to be there. And then we're going to bring in Nash. Then the third week, he's going to, oh, you think it's just us? Nah. We got a big surprise at Bash, at Bash at the Beach. There's a third man. It's like, you think you have a shot, Hogan and Sav? Or no, 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 hold on. on. Yeah, there's a third man. And when we reveal the third man, it's going to be very heartbreaking for all the kids. And then the next week, you're going to get a new promo. It's like, you think you have a shot, Hogan and Savage? Oh, man. Or is the third man starting to click? My gosh. We, we, we've, we've traded. You're, you're the punny person. Oh. The outsiders are here to take over. And when we do, it's going to feel like a kick to the chin. And we're going to be playing that sweet music all night long. Oh. So then the big day finally comes. Bash at the beach. The match is going on. It's Hogan. It's Macho Man. They're in the ring. The match is happening. There's a ref bump. And from the crowd, a man in a mask jumps in the ring. <clears throat> Super kicks the Macho Man Randy Savage right on the chin. Hits the double bicep pose. They pin Savage. They take out Hogan. The three men are standing in the ring celebrating, and they take off the mask to reveal Paul Roma, ladies and gentlemen. That's correct. It's Paul Roma because uh, this is WCW. Now, I know what you're thinking. Paul Roma? I don't know. Uh, but let me just give you a little rundown of Paul Roma's uh, uh, career uh, achievements here. Uh, in his original run with WWF as a singles, he beat straight up Brett the Hitman Hart, Bob Orton, and the Macho Man Randy Savage. Later to team with the great Hercules and the team of power and glory. This guy is one of the most accomplished team wrestlers of all time. They beat Bob Orton and Don Morocco and the Hart Foundation and are 
heavily influencing to wrestling today as we speak, as they are the ones who invented the super the superplex into a splash move that FTR features in every single one of their matches. So, you know, big ups to Paul Roma, only to go on to WCW and be a member of the Four Horsemen. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. The Paul Roma, Four Horsemen, tag teams, success, factions, boom. And then he teamed with one of my favorites, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, where he beat Cactus Jack, ladies and gentlemen, to become a world tag team champion. This dude has victories over Bret Hart. Oh, by the way, won the tag titles from Steve Austin and William Regal. Paul Roma's hit list is uh, second to none. Uh, and also, this is WCW. So you think the fans were mad? They were throwing trash for Hogan? There would have been a full-scale riot for Paul Roma. I'm telling you right now, the fans would have revolted. It would have been terrible, and no one ever would have watched again. So Paul Roma is the third man. I love it, and there's definitely a Roma to your story. Uh I'm so glad you did, Sean. I was so happy with what I came up with. And then you did, Sean. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And he went first. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, well, that you, were so so great. you were so giggly about your story. I was like, this has to be good. Like, you know, this has to be good. So he's got to be the main event. But, oh, that would actually be great because, you know, you, know, oh. you say Paul Roma's got a hell of a hit list. He would have, you know, beat WCW for WCW. Uh <laughs> Very early, like the Monday Night Wars wouldn't even started. We never would have got the Attitude Era. We would, we would, the new generation would have just overstayed its welcome and just like, oh, what would have happened? Nobody would have challenged Vince. Oh, yeah, but Paul Roma, bud. Paul Roma, yeah, he wins. <laughs> like just uh, seeing him stand next to just Nash and Hall uh, is is yeah. Is... Well, seeing him standing next to Flair and Arn, yeah, Four Horsemen. Yeah, and you said the riots would be crazy. I think the riots would be everyone rushing to a computer to search who he was. <coughs> oh, that have been wouldn't that have been the most WCW thing ever though? Absolutely, like, just like total letdown, like nobody of importance or meaning. And <laughs> like my Mount Rushmore of choices, because I also did a troll uh, angle too. Like Glacier would have been a great one. It would have yeah. been you know it it would have been a, a cold move on Eric Bischoff's part uh, for ratings for sure. <laughs> So if I was being serious, uh, I probably would have landed on Flair if I'm being honest, because I think he's the only other person besides Hogan that could have gotten the heat. I think Sting would have been somewhat exciting for the fans. I think the fans would have turned babyface on it pretty quickly. I don't think they would have been so heartbroken. And uh, I feel like if they brought Sean or Brett or someone from WCW, the fans also would have popped for it instead of healing on it yeah i think the, i i mean really like savage maybe could have turned heel on hogan and it would have meant a little bit but like i feel like savage or flair were the only people that could have gotten heat for it it had to come from within the company to get the real heat uh so yeah hogan know. was the absolute best choice it, it, it's, oh, it's yeah. what the industry needed you know everybody every other choice you had they've turned heel before we've seen a yeah. heel macho man so to see like right to see like the new blood from the company that just came over align with the the perceived babyface that put that company on the tippy top map is yeah. what holds that angle together <laughs> and anybody else but Hogan just would have been less than and that's not a knock on anybody it's just fact no <laughs> it's just the truth it's just the yeah. truth like even uh, you and I worship Bret Hart it right. it would have meant nothing with Bret Hart 
it just it wouldn't and it would be, it would have been mean, awesome it would have been, been awesome yeah. but it wouldn't yeah. hit as much as hogan well, it would have been awesome because Brett would have came right in feuding with Hogan. Like, that would have been it. it like, if you're going to do this story and Hogan's not going to be the third man, he's got to fight whoever comes in. So at least we would have got that match when they both were at their peak. But, I mean, frankly, Hogan needed this too. Hogan needed to change a character. He needed to refresh things. The old red and yellow, like, cheesy 80s baby face was dying. I mean, it's just the way it was. I mean, that, that you saw who got over in in the 90s it was austin and rock and mcfoley uh who were all basically working as heels and just were wildly entertaining so the fans just turned them face yes like the the and, and when they tried to bring in rocky maivia who looked like the guy that's been the top guy for the last 30 years 40 years at that point and 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 was uh, had a legacy and was was saying all the right things the fans just eviscerated him they're like no we don't want this shit this is dumb like we're done with this cookie cutter babyface bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and you know this. You know, I know my idea was quick and bullet pointed, but you know, it, it's it's really fun. It's a really fun exercise to think about if you want to dive into the possibilities of Shawn Michaels being in WCW in ninety seven, ninety eight. Because <laughs> yeah, my goodness, I, I, some I, of the matches that could have been had. Uh, you know, he's and it's funny because he's. He's big enough to be a top guy, but small enough to raise a lot of those guys that are there up a bit. Yeah. Like him and Eddie Guerrero could have looked good on a poster. Him and um, Jericho could have could have happened earlier with with the yeah. Jericho persona of the 1999 era. <clears throat> uh, and I mean, but the, yeah, because if you think about Sean being that one guy that can go between the cruiserweights and the super heavyweights at that point. Um, because as long as he's got Hall and Nash at his back, he's he can do whatever. He can go after Hogan. He can go after Luger. He could go after the Giant. He can go after whoever he wants because he's got the you know he's got seven foot tall and six foot eight, you know, badass dudes behind him to have his back. But then he could have gone out and stole the show every week on Nitro with the Cruiserweight division. So absolutely, that I mean, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, all those guys back in that day in that era, they would have been stealing the show every week. And I, it, it honestly might have been better for WCW in the long run. Like if long-term what they did instead of Hogan being the NWO, yeah, that got hotter, that got bigger. But if they brought in Brett or Sean or just somebody that could work, you know, that would really was a great worker, it would have changed the complexion of everything. Because, I mean, Sean and Flair, Sean and Sting, all those matches would have happened in, in 97, 98. Like it would have been insane. So I mean I I think Sean might be the best fit for Holland Nash. You know, if it was Holland Nash, that's like the natural place you go. They're bringing their friend, obviously. Um, what would it go by? And I think he'd still be able to be Sean Michaels because he had that before WWF. He's like one of the last territory guys. So I think he would have been okay there, but obviously wouldn't have been the heartbreak kid and. I don't know if they would have had to come up with a different name for Sweet Chin Music, maybe, but... Yeah, like, yeah. New World Order, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Michael Hickenbottom. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't fit. No. <laughs> no, not at all. That would have been interesting to find out if that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, we certainly uh, we certainly did well today by this uh, story, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we, def <laughs> we definitely gave alternatives, but... Uh... <laughs> 
Paul Roma, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you. Yeah, you know, I think I'm just on board with Paul Roma. You know, it's uh, you know, I, I love I, <laughs> I love risking it. You know, it's it's a gamble. You know, it's way better than what Rin- Vince Russo would have came up with had he uh, came up with the NWO concept. Oh, Canyon. Oh, Canyon. Yeah, who better than that idea? Yeah. But uh, there's going to be nothing better than this idea because we have another themed uh, month heading your way, ladies and gentlemen, and December is going to be a December to dismember because we're going to be talking nothing but ECW, Colseth, and we're going to kick things off the first week of December with the top 10 ECW moments. Now, we get to do a lot of fun stuff with this company uh, because uh, there's a lot of, like, uh, at the time for me, R-rated stuff, shenanigans. Yes. Like, the first time I ever heard fuck on wrestling television was ECW. And uh, this was, like, probably the first time a wrestling show has prompted my mother to cease me from watching wrestling. Uh, <laughs> she was like, that's not the wrestling you normally watch. Where's the clown? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, where's the clown? And I was like, well, there's clowns here sometimes. Uh, you know, it's just. Yes, yes, just wait. Just not the ones <laughs> you're expecting. Uh, but yeah, there was titties, there was blood, there was fire, just everything that an adolescent boy needed. Uh, that's why I just love the time period that I grew up in wrestling because I felt like between the new generation and then the birth of ECW and the Attitude Era, it fit right in line with my 10 year old brain to my 12, right. 13 year old, 14 year old brain. So it's like. Wrestling grew up alongside me. It became the shitty teenager that I did. And then when John Cena, yes. when John Cena came into the world, it's when I started maturing and started like being thoughtful <laughs> and like a parent yeah. and stuff like that. So it's like wrestling has been my age my entire life, and I love it. And uh, we get to talk about the very grimy part of my childhood, which is ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling. A lot of fun stuff that I can't wait to talk about. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just get right into it. The first week is going to be the top 10 ECW moments. And then the second and third week is going to be the ECW superstar bracket. And then the fourth week, and this will be foreshadowing, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be a take it up with creative. But me and Cole got to go to the drawing board and decide, since it's only going to be one episode, what could be the best concept for a take it up with creative featuring ECW. So we have a lot of time to discuss it. I can't wait. All right. That's a wrap for uh, WCW month. Uh, this what was month? a lot of fun. WCW month, ladies and gentlemen. That's a wrap on it. We've done five shows in a row, following up with four ECW episodes for December to dismember. For Ron Kilborn, I am your host, Cole Dawson, saying thank you. We love you and good night. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly at Ron underscore Kilborn. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team.